Good morning. How's everybody doing? Happy New Year. 2018. You are, are you, are you, have you signed any documents or checks and accidentally written 2017? Are you pretty good at that? Remember, 2018, we're in a new year, a new year, and this is our first Sunday in the new year, and in, in light of that, I wanted to pause in our series in Colossians, aww, right, and, and visit a passage of scripture that I believe will set us on the right foot as we step into the new year with our particular plans and goals and resolutions. Do you make resolutions? You make New Year's resolutions? Have you been uh, disillusioned or discouraged after making so many and basically failing within a month? It's okay. It's a new year, a new opportunity. So surely your lives at this point are busy with lots of activity. I mean, this time of year especially. We're coming off the holidays, perhaps recovering from that awful sickness that has been going around. My goodness, we really have some great fellowship. We share in everything here. Thank you for that. We are blessed, though. Praise the Lord for his mercy on us. Perhaps you're getting back into your routines, implementing your new plans for this new year, and perhaps trying to deal with maybe some unforeseen challenges that you're now faced with. But amidst all this activity and all the noise, there's one voice that we must certainly be paying attention to. And if this voice is ignored, then we'll be left with destructive consequences and regrets. But if this voice is heeded, then we will certainly be blessed. And this is the voice of godly wisdom, godly wisdom. So turn to Proverbs chapter 1. That's where our text is going to be. If you're using a blue Bible we provide, it's on page 527. And our text is going to be verses 20 through 33. The close of chapter 1. And some of you may remember this as a text we had visited three and a half years ago. And we're going to look at it again to set us right for this new year. And in this, we see the wisdom of God is personified as a, uh, a lovely, prosperous, wealthy, strong woman. Lady wisdom. And wisdom's given a voice in this passage. So this is the wisdom of God speaking. And so let's look at the first part of this section, verses 20 to 23, where we'll see wisdom essentially issuing an invitation to all who will hear. Verses 20 and 21, wisdom cries loud in the streets. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. Notice where this invitation is given and how it's given. Where is it given? It's given in the street, in the markets, at the entrance of the city gates. In other words, it's very public. It's as out in the open as you can possibly get. It's the busiest place in town. And this is where you would have the largest gatherings and the heaviest foot traffic. Wisdom wants all to hear. And in the ancient world, the city gate is where court cases would be decided, policies would be set, and business transactions would take place. Uh, There would be a lot of activity. 
official meetings being held, people buying and selling all kinds of goods, people coming into the city and going out of the city and so forth. In other words, this was downtown, and in the, it was in the midst of the hustle and bustle of people going about their daily business, going about their daily lives. And then we'll look at how the invitation is given. How is it given? Right in the center of it all, wisdom is, is crying out, crying out. The picture here isn't like, it's not like someone standing on the city corner handing out flyers. Uh, excuse me, would you, would you like to know more about wisdom? Can I interest you in a survey on wisdom? Uh, rather, it's like someone standing on a crate or a soapbox with a megaphone and addressing the crowd over all the noise, trying to get everyone's attention. And what we see in this scene is that wisdom is available to everyone, to all people, without distinction. Whether you are male or female, young or old, regardless of your status in society, your economic situation, all people without distinction, you can receive and be growing in wisdom. It begins, however, when you come to fear the Lord. That's what Proverbs says. It starts out that way. That, that point is made right at the beginning of chapter 1 and verse 7, that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. That is, when you come to have a right relationship, a saving relationship with God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ, his Son. That's the true beginning of wisdom. Or that's where true wisdom really begins. Now, when Wisdom speaks in this passage. We see her attention is specifically on those who have not yet come to fear the Lord. They are those who lack wisdom, in other words, and who are headed for disaster because they are continuing to choose the opposite of wisdom, folly. In verse 22, wisdom says, How long, O simple ones, Will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Now, we see three categories of people that are mentioned here. First, we see the simple ones. Those are ones who are immature and inexperienced, who are ignorant and gullible, and who will be content as they are unless they're taught wisdom and respond to it favorably. Little children are simple ones, aren't they? But yet there are many adults who have the wisdom or the lack of wisdom just like little children. And unless they are taught and respond favorably to wisdom, they will be content in their simplicity and their ignorance. Then we see there are scoffers. And scoffers in the book of Proverbs, we see that they are arrogant people who despise and reject instruction, correction, and criticism. They hate it. They actually enjoy challenging and mocking godly wisdom. And then we see the general category, fools. And fools are... According to Proverbs, careless people who have big mouths and think their way is best. Like scoffers, they also hate knowledge and they despise wisdom and instruction. 
So of these three categories, only simple ones are portrayed in the book of Proverbs as teachable and capable of learning wisdom. I mean, think about it. Fools and scoffers hate knowledge, and they reject it, and they they spit on it, in other words. There's, There's no teaching them. But simple ones, they're just in their simplicity, in their ignorance, and they are capable of being taught. So wisdom cries out to them. Now, one of the purposes of the book of Proverbs, mentioned it back in verse 4, chapter 1, it's to give prudence to the simple. Prudence to the simple. Therefore, it makes sense that when wisdom raises her voice, she is, she's reaching out to the simple. However, the simple are just as capable of ignoring wisdom, embracing folly, and eventually becoming fools and scoffers themselves. If they remain the way they are, the simple will suffer the same fate as fools and scoffers because they ultimately become them. Now in verse 23, we see wisdom's open invitation. Verse 23, if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. To reprove is to voice Strong disapproval of wrong behavior. Strong disapproval of wrong behavior. That's what it means to reprove someone. And the goal of doing that is not just to to put them down and shame them, but it's to correct that behavior, to bring it back towards right behavior. Correction is the goal. So wisdom is reproving the simple for loving their simplicity and living in willful ignorance to God's wisdom, willful ignorance to God's wisdom. And her desire is that they repent of this and embrace her. Wisdom's statement, I will pour out my spirit to you, is clarified by her next statement, I will make my words known to you. So the offer is that wisdom will share her mind and her thoughts with those who embrace her. She will teach them and they will learn. If the simple turn from their willful ignorance and embrace wisdom, then they will become wise and be able to grow in wisdom. They will then, as Proverbs says back in verse 2 of chapter 1, they will know wisdom and instruction and understand words of insight. They will become wise. And according to the context of this passage, to turn at wisdom's reproof is to come to fear the Lord. So when she says, if you turn at my reproof, well, essentially what's happening there is, is the beginning of that is coming to fear the Lord. It's to acknowledge that true wisdom comes not from here, not from here or here. It comes from God. And that to live my life the way he says I should live it is to be wise. To live your life the way God says you should live it, that's wisdom. Because he is the ultimate authority, and he is in control of all things, and he knows what is best. Living any other way, then, is foolish. In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, it reads, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of of the Holy One is insights. 
you want to become wise, you must fear the Lord, you must know him. Here's what we see in these verses, in verses 20 through 23. We see that that true wisdom is available to all, and it is for the taking. It is for the taking. However, only those who repent of their willful ignorance and opposition to God's way will receive it. The sad reality is that the vast majority of people reject wisdom's invitation. They're wise in their own eyes. They follow their own hearts, wherever that may lead them. They will not turn from their own way and submit to God's way. Remember what Jesus said. He said this in Matthew's gospel, Enter by the narrow gates, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Not because it's impossible to find, but because of the rebellion that resides within every man and woman born in sin in the state of rebellion against God. They refuse it. They suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. They do not want to submit to the wisdom of God. Now, the rest of this passage warns of what will happen to those who reject God's wisdom. We're now going to see how wisdom will respond to those who reject her invitation. So this is a warning. The invitation is available to all. It's for the taking. Here's a warning for those who would Reject this invitation, verses 24 through 27, starting in verse 24 through 25. Because I have called, wisdom says, and you refused to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. And we'll pause right there, just looking at those statements. It's not that people didn't get the invitation. It's not that they were completely unaware of what was being offered. It's not that they simply couldn't hear. It's not that they just didn't know any better. They are without excuse. Why? Because they knowingly and willfully refused wisdom. They paid it no mind. They ignored it. They did not accept it. These are all deliberate choices. I choose my own way. I'm going to do things my way. It's like what Paul said in Romans, going to reference this. People who do not fear the Lord, they suppress the truth. They're not neutral. They are suppressing the truth. They don't think it's worthwhile to acknowledge God, their maker. Although they know that the sinful way they choose to live is wrong. There's a knowledge of that. There's a knowledge that it is deserving of God's judgments. They do it anyway. They exchange the truth for a lie. And in this passage, wisdom says they suppress wisdom's call. They shut it out. Pay it no mind. Ignore it deliberately. They don't think it's worthwhile to embrace wisdom. They would rather choose folly and whatever consequences that may come than choose to fear the Lord and become 
wise. I'm going to make my own way. I'm going to be my own master. I have my own wisdom that I'm going to rely on. They refuse to bow the knee, to submit, submit to God and his wisdom for their lives. They choose folly instead of wisdom. Now, rejecting wisdom, as we said, is part of man's sinful rebellion against God. I mean, this is a moral issue. It's not an intellectual problem. It is because of this sinful rebellion against God that men reject his wisdom. And verses 26 through 27 show us the ultimate outcome for those who insist on going their own way despite many warnings. So leading up to verse 26, because you have refused to listen, ignored all my counsel, would have none of my reproof, wisdom says, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind when distress and anguish come upon you. So the end result of rejecting God's wisdom and choosing the way of sin and folly and selfishness, self-centered living, the, the, the end result of that is dreadful disaster. It never ends up well. This is the guaranteed outcome. Your life will certainly come to a disastrous end because wisdom is saying, when terror strikes when your calamity comes, when distress and anguish come, it is coming, it is certain, if you persist going your own way and being your own authority and your own source of wisdom. There's no other outcome. So if you choose sin and folly, things will not turn out differently for you. You will not be the exception Maybe I'll get away with it. Or maybe this will work out. It, doesn't, it hasn't worked out for anybody else, really, for the history of the world. Maybe I'm the exception. Maybe I'm more clever than everybody. So you're deceiving yourself if you think this way. God's wisdom says that choosing your own way rather than God's way is running towards your own destruction. What's even more disturbing than the image in verse 27 of a violent storm coming your way and coming for you is wisdom's response in verse 26, that first statement. When this happens, when this disaster that you brought upon yourself comes, I will laugh. I will mock. Sounds a bit harsh, but there's a point. We have to keep in mind who's being addressed in this passage. This is, this is not wisdom's response to people trying to, to live wisely and, and stumbling along the way. Like every time you trip, ha! Ah! <laughs> like, you know, you can imagine that, right? I mean, I mean we're, we are standing in the grace of God, right? His grace causes us to, to persevere, to continue in the faith, to strive to live holy lives, we do still sin, but God is working in us that we may sin less and less as long as we are relying on the Spirit of God and His wisdom. So it's not speaking of those who are trying to please the Lord and to live a life worthy of Him, trying to apply His wisdom. 
This is wisdom's response to people who have persistently rejected wisdom despite her clear warnings. They've chosen the way of folly over the way of wisdom. They have determined that their way is better than God's way. They are trusting in themselves. So that logic, that thinking, wouldn't you say it's ridiculous? Wouldn't you say it is laughable and excusable? It certainly is. That means it's worthy of ridicule. It is absurd. If you read Proverbs, you'll see that wisdom doesn't just warn against folly, it it also mocks folly. Rejecting wisdom now, it will haunt you later. Wisdom will laugh in the end, again, if you persist in hardness of heart and rebellion, kicking against the wisdom of God, rejecting it and going your own way, it will haunt you later. You reap what you sow. Wisdom will laugh in the end. It's, it's the kind of laughter that says, I told you so. Time and time again, I told you. This is wisdom's response to decisive rejection. And now we'll see wisdom's availability after this rejection, which is also troubling. Verses 28 through 31 in this section, wisdom's availability after rejection, starting in 28. Then, so what's happened? Terror has come. The storm has come. The consequences of rejecting the wisdom of God. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof, therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. So it's a chilling thought. Wisdom is at the city gates, out in the open, calling out and available to all. But now she is silent, nowhere to be found. Those who have rejected her invitation have been cut off. Notice that wisdom is no longer no longer is addressing the simple ones and the fools personally. It's they instead of you. There's a distance now. She's no longer talking to them. She's talking about them. And verse 28 says that they will then call upon wisdom and seek her. I mean, doesn't that sound like a good response? I mean, they're doing it now. I mean, isn't that good? The problem is that this is after the, the disastrous result of their sin and folly has come. It's after the consequences have come. And in the midst of that, those consequences, they're calling out. Here's a, a helpful explanation from one commentator who writes this. The statement that Fools call on her, call on wisdom, when they get into trouble. It's not a reference to literal prayer, but a dramatic picture of fools trying to find a way out of the trouble they are in. They call on her in the sense that they are at last ready to listen to advice, but it's too late. Verse 28 is a portrayal of regret. 
not repentance. It's a picture of regret, not repentance. Proverbs 19, verse 3 says, When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Bitter regret. Because I refused the wisdom of God. I chose my own way. Ruin has come. And now I'm stuck with the consequences of my own rebellious way. So up until this point, the simple ones continued to choose to not fear the Lord. Again, this is the warning uh, to the simple ones. Again, they have an opportunity to hear, and now it's showing what happens if they continue to refuse. And up, now we're seeing what happens when they continue to choose to not fear the Lord. Wisdom called for them to turn at her reproof, and instead they end up despising all of her reproof. They did not want to learn. They did not want to be corrected. However, now that their dreadful end has come, they want to escape it. They want to get out. But life doesn't work that way. You don't get to push a reset button and start over. You don't get to go back and undo what you have done. Verse 31 affirms the principle that in the moral order of God's creation, you will reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. You're responsible for the way you choose to live your life. And you will have to accept the outcome of that way. Decisions have consequences. So wisdom called out to the simple, but they rejected her and refused to receive her. Later they will call upon wisdom, and wisdom will refuse to receive them. The invitation will be withdrawn, and wisdom will no longer be available to them. It's too late. You can't reverse what you have done. So we've seen wisdom's invitation to all, wisdom's response then to rejection, and then wisdom's availability after rejection. And the final two verses in this passage show us wisdom's promise to those who listen, who listen. Verse 32, for the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. Just a statement about what has happened with rejection and she'll get to what happens with those who listen. The simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. Turning away from what? Turning away from the Lord. Turning away from the fear of the Lord. Turning away from wisdom and turning away from, thus turning away from life. You turn away from God, you turn away from fearing him, you turn away from his wisdom, you are essentially turning away from life and the fullness of life, because he is the source of life. The complacency of fools destroys them. What is complacency? Carefree, it's a carefree feeling of peace and security. The Hebrew word actually means rest or security but was translated as complacency because rest and security that belong to fools is not real rest and security, is it? It's a feeling of that, but it's, it's not true. And this is not real rest and security for the fool because the result of sin and folly is indeed disaster and death, ultimately. Destructive consequences. So whatever you might feel, you might feel good about the way you live your life. 
But the end result is certain, and you are not secure. You will not have rest. So this complacency destroys fool, fools because it keeps them from taking wisdom's warnings into serious consideration. I hear you. Yeah, just not a big deal. I mean, maybe I'll think about what, what you're saying. I'll think about that. It's refusing to take seriously these warnings. And as a result of this, they don't repent, and they continue on their way to certain disaster. And then verse 33, on the other hand, it shows what happens to those who do repent, who do respond to this invitation and embrace God's wisdom. This verse concludes the entire passage with a hopeful promise. Verse 33, but whoever listens to me, to, to the wisdom of God, will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Unlike the fool, the one who listens to wisdom will have true and lasting peace and security, true and lasting rest and security. Proverbs 19, verse 23 says, The fear of the Lord, which is the foundation of wisdom, the fear of the Lord, the foundation of wisdom, leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Although wisdom had us look ahead at the eventual bitter outcome of all who reject her, wisdom reminds us here that while it is today, the invitation still stands. One commentator sums it up this way, Woman wisdom comes across in this speech as angry and unyielding. She shows no mercy to those who come to their senses in the midst of the punishment that their foolish action brings on them. Again, in the midst of the consequences when they come to their senses. However, the intention of this speech is to spur present action. So again, this whole passage, the whole point is to act now. She does not want them to wait until they are in the midst of their suffering. But she wants them to turn to her right way to avoid the pain. It's preemptive. I don't want you to go down this road. This is where it ends. But it will certainly happen if you continue to reject this instruction. There are two types of application we can make from this passage, really. First, it's application in an ultimate sense, and second, it's an application in a daily sense. And the first one is the primary one. It's the primary point. In the ultimate sense, the, the fate that all people face for continually rejecting God and his wisdom is the righteous judgment of God. Those who refuse to fear him will eventually suffer the irreversible consequence of their eternal death and destruction in hell. There will be no opportunity for you to repent after you die. But today is the day of salvation, is it not? While it is today, you don't know when your time will be up. It's a serious warning. Therefore, for those of you who are not a Christian... Not truly born again. Maybe you're here because you're 
family comes and you're with them, or, or maybe because you grew up in a Christian environment, this is, this is something you identify with, but there's no power of God in your life. God has not given you new life and caused you to change, to be born again, to place your faith in Christ in a true way that you would actually submit your life to him and follow him. If you're not a Christian, the warning is clear. You need to repent and place your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins in order to be saved from this righteous judgment of God, from this inevitable outcome of sinful living. And doing this is the beginning of wisdom. If you believe the gospel and give your life to Jesus, you will have eternal rest. You will have eternal security. Though life in this fallen world will be hard, you'll no longer have to dread the eternal disaster that is coming upon the world for its rebellion against God. You will not be subjected to that. You will not be in that camp anymore if you repent and place your faith in Jesus, the Son of God. You will, through Jesus, have peace with God, everlasting peace. The second application the daily, in the daily sense, is this. Again, for the Christian. For those of you who have received the grace of God, who are no longer under the condemnation of God, who've been given new life in Christ, there's still an application for you, for us. It's a, a daily application. And it's this. Just the reminder that rejecting God's wisdom on any given matter in your life and instead choosing sin and folly, again, your own, your own wisdom rather than God's, that will bring about earthly consequences that can be very disastrous and even last a lifetime. Even if some consequences are small, they are all irreversible. Again, can't go back in time. But once it's done, those consequences are there. What's done is done. So we, we can't make the consequences of our foolish choices just disappear. So if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, the daily application is to heed this invitation to embrace wisdom in your daily decisions so that you may honor the Lord in every area of your life and so that you may avoid the painful and destructive consequences that result from foolish thinking and behavior. Again, think of how much destruction results in a Christian's life because they refuse to heed biblical counsel. Ah, that's a little dated. Ah, my marriage is different. You don't understand my wife or my husband. Keeping it even. <laughs> you know, I mean, how many, how much a, a Christian's life can still be disastrous because of foolish decisions? Because of maybe a, a hard-heartedness or a stubbornness, a refusal to submit to God in every area, but try we must. So how do we do this? Well, if we, we were in the New Testament, we looked at essentially the, the book of wisdom in the New Testament, James. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25, he writes, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Again, the word of God is the source of wisdom of God. 
be doers of this word, of his word, and not hearers only. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts who applies the wisdom of God, he will be blessed in his doing. So wisdom is continually calling out to us, continually calling out to you. Every day you have the opportunity to embrace her. One commentator writes this, Perhaps the easiest and most common excuse for doing wrong and falling into trouble is ignorance. That one just did not know any better. That excuse is implicitly rejected here. Wisdom is not some hidden treasure that has to be dug from the depths of the earth or the sole possession of the lonely sage sitting atop a mountain. To the contrary, wisdom roams the streets looking for someone to instruct. The ways of right and wrong as presented in this word of God, are open for all to read and follow. So, Happy New Year. Let this be your resolution. Be resolved to listen to the wisdom of God as you read and study his word, to embrace it, not just to hear it, Be resolved to listen to the wisdom of God as you hear it read and preached. Be resolved to choose the fear of the Lord, to love knowledge, to cherish godly counsel, instruction, and reproof in order that you may indeed be wise and experience the blessing of embracing the wisdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word that it indeed is given to us, available to us, that we can read it and study it and be instructed in it. You speak to us through your word and we can hear from you every day. I pray that for for us as a church body and us individually in our our homes and the spheres of uh, life that you placed us in, Lord, that, that your word would be something that we continue to cherish and actually see, as you had referred to it, as our daily bread, something that sustains us, that we need. Help us to not, not be caught up in all the distractions of life to the point that we are negligent of our own souls by neglecting to feed our souls your word. Help us to prioritize our time in your word, prioritize our application of the very things you are teaching us in our own personal study and also in our corporate time together through group studies and sermons and all these things, Lord. Help us to embrace your wisdom that we might indeed be wise and by doing so that we might live lives worthy of you, pleasing you in every way that we might, by doing that, bring glory to you and to your Son, our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray 
all this in his name. Amen.